0: Welcome to Church Alive. We're located in the heart of Rutherford, New Jersey, and we're ready to reach, teach, and empower people to impact their generation for Christ. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome home. Doing good. Great to see you. Hey, glad you came out on a somewhat snowy kind of morning and you know, a little bit of freaking out, or maybe it was the icy conditions. Hey, Jesus was with you. Amen. I think he's still with the people in bed, but Jesus was with you extra special this morning. Can someone say amen? Amen. Amen. I don't know if you have been up to date on kind of what's happening in some parts of culture. There's obviously a book out, a movie out, Fifty Shades of Grey. As I've been looking and thinking and researching about this movie and so forth, what's interesting about this book was that it was actually first kind of marketed and promoted to the teen audience. The uh, 14, 15-year-old girls actually were the ones who started to embrace this across America, and uh, it kind of came out of, how many of you remember the Twilight series, right? How to Suck a Vampire, basically. And and tweens all across America were reading this, and it became so popular that then uh, it became more mainstream and so forth. However... It's, it's kind of, um, it's almost like, come on, some preacher's preaching about something that's not good for culture. I mean, it's kind of like, it's okay, all right, we get it, buddy. And, but here's what I want to tell you when it comes to this type of stuff, and maybe you've read the book, maybe you've seen the movie, I wouldn't encourage it, to be honest. Um, you've got to understand this, um, I just went to India, and here's what you know about when you go to India. When you drink bad water, you get sick. When you drink unhealthy water, you get a virus. How many know what I'm talking about? When you drink the Kool Aid that everyone is selling you, guess what? You are going to get sick. And this means sometimes spiritually sick. So don't drink the Kool Aid that everyone is drinking. Are you with me? Because they are lying to you. Who are they? They are probably the most successful industry. In perhaps the world right now, they are the porn industry. Did you know that the porn industry profit in America is double all of the companies in Hollywood's? Isn't that scary? If you, it's a thirteen billion dollar profit per year. It is huge in America. America is buying or is hooked on porn. Now, whenever you talk about porn, you're going to make some people. I'm, nervous, you're like, oh, I'm but did you know that 88% of guys deal with this to some, de- to some degree? 70% of the viewers of porn are male, 30% are female. And there are many people who are hooked on this stuff. And I just want to chat to you about some of the research that basically shows you that porn is one of the most dangerous for your sexual satisfaction. Isn't it weird that they're selling sexual satisfaction, but the most dangerous thing for your sexual satisfaction is getting hooked on porn? Isn't that weird? They're selling sex, yet people who are hooked on porn are the most sexually unsatisfied people in America. Got quiet in church. Hmm. They're telling you, selling you, everyone's having sex on the first date, being single, where at sexual standards do nothing but hinder your life. And once you get married, the fun is over. The scary thing about the popularity of this book and this movie, I mean, Newsweek was covering it this week. I saw it on one of the, the nighttime shows. They were kind of talking about the movie and so forth. It, it popularizes the BDSM industry. What is the BDSM industry? I was kind of debating on whether I even talk about that. BDSM industry is bondage, dominance, submission, and masochism. It is an industry that is often so hidden, So, and it's 14-year-old girls are now reading about this, and here's what's scary in American culture right now. Did you know the BDSM industry is doing better than ever? Why? Because of books and movies like this. But what's actually happening, here's what's actually happening. People are inviting a spirit of rape into their bedroom. People are inviting a spirit of rape into their sexuality. Because guess what? Did you know, statistically speaking, rape has gone through the roof over the last 10 to 20 years? Skyrocketed in America. Let me give you some stats. I'm going to give you some bad news and I'm going to give you some good news. I'm going to hit you with some bad news first, unfortunately. 18.3% of American women have already been raped, almost half of which happened under the age of 18. BBC World News did a report saying that there is, like no other time in history, there are 120 million girls that have been raped on planet Earth. 120 million. Now sometimes when you give a stat like that, you're like, what does that even look like? That's six times the, is, uh, the population of Australia. That's a third of the population of the United States of America are women, not, not including men, women that have been raped. 50% of these would be under the age of 18. One of the saddest historical facts you can look at in history books, everyone touts listen sexual freedom and so forth. Did you know that every time a country lowers their moral standards, children always get abused? They are always, always, for thousands of years, you can do the research, when a country goes morally bankrupt, children are the victims. When you read the Old Testament, if you ever read Joshua and you find out, like, God, God, why did you destroy that city or that place? Why were they literally, the Israelites were literally the judgment arm of God sometimes? Did you know that it's always to do with what was happening sexually in those places? Did you know that when when Joshua and the people of God came into Gilgal and they had to do this uh, weird thing, Joshua, the man of God, I wasn't going to go into this, I'm just going to go into it. Joshua, the man of God, hears God speak to him and say, listen, you got to go, everyone's got to go get circumcised. How would you like to be the leader that says to 600,000 men, by the way, man, you need to get circumcised. And I'm not talking laser therapy, people. I'm talking flint knives with your uncle, Abinadab, back in the backyard, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm talking about people, like, are you got a steady hand? People praying for focus to come on people. If anything's going to test your leadership, it's standing up in front of 600,000 men. and You say, hey boys, it's not going to be a good day or actually about a good week. But here is what God was saying to the people of Israel. You need to deal and be serious about the sexual side of your life. You need to be different than the Canaanites because you, did you know that the Canaanites at that time, it was basically the hub for prostitution and, and Syria and all kinds of different countries would, would make that a, a, a highway and the children were just being promoted out and prostituted out and so forth. It was a bad time. 20% of internet porn comes from coerced or trafficked children, 20%. In a study of undergraduate women, I hope you can put this one, in a study of undergraduate women, 19% of undergraduate women experience or attempted, this is really weird, this is one of the, one of the largest sexual studies ever done in the history of America, and I want you to just feel the weight of this. 90% of undergraduate women experienced, attempted, or completed sexual assault since entering college. You're like, what? Something's wrong. Are you with me? When you, we talk about some of the freedom of the 1960s, 1970s, oh my God, the sexual revolution, what did it revolutionize? When you and I hear about college rapes and date rapes and you know, throwing things in drinks and, 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 and the football team or the basketball team or, the, or raping 10 guys on one woman, you've got to go. holy cow, what is going on in our culture? Are you with me? If you drink dirty water, you will get sick. If you drink dirty water, you will get sick. Now, let me tell you some good news because some of you just want to cry right now. Consistent, I might have given you this last week, but this is worth repeating. Consistent, someone say consistent, come on, say consistent. Consistent church attendees, according to a non-Christian study, this is the largest study ever done of American sexuality, consistent church attendees have a significantly higher frequency and intensity of orgasms than the general population of the U.S., Here's what it found. It's, it's a really interesting study. It found that people that go to church once a week actually have the most sexually satisfied lives, except for those who go twice a week. Turn your name and say, get to church. <laughs> now listen, all you men, when you invite a guy to church, he's like, hey man, why don't you should come to my church and come check it out and stuff. He's like, I don't want to go to church. He's just like, bro, I'm trying to improve your sex life. Yeah, come on now. Someone came up to me last night, and he said, he said what happens if you go three times a week? <laughs> I was like, I don't know, good stuff, I guess. There is literally research out there that says the closer someone is to God, the more sexually satisfied they are. Now, this may or may not be you right now, but I just want to let you know this. You need to get the they going on with God. Are you with me? And there is a link. And science don't understand. They're like, man, there's something to do with worship and sex. And some of you didn't even realize you were into worship. No one got that joke. I want to give you this stat. I want to give you some stats because some of you just believe the Bible, right? You're like, man, I believe the Bible. Some of you are like, uh got some questions about it. Because sometimes when you've heard so many things over and over again, you're just like, nah, it can't be true. Let me give you a, a stat. Did you know that premarital sex doubles the odds of a person getting stuck in an emotionally abusive relationship? Consistent church attendance is one of the greatest ways to reduce odds of adultery. Weekly attendance reduces that by odds by half. 50% 50% of people who go to church get divorced. 50% of people in the world get divorced. Did you know that those who read the Bible and pray regularly, consistently, daily, did you know the stats are 1 out of 1,195 get divorced? Turn to your name and say, read the Bible. Turn to your other name and say, pray. You've all met couples and you're like, wow, they have it. They have it going on. Wow, they have got it. They've got it. You want to be the couple. How many of you want to be the couple? 50 years married. And you're like, wow, we still got it. Someone say the right they. You've all met couples like they having a hard time. They fight all the time. They are having some challenges. And let me just encourage you with this. If you're having some challenges in your marriage, if you're having challenges there, listen, if you had they, I would encourage you can get they back. It's about the right they. Are you with me? Proverbs chapter 3 verse 1 to 6 says this, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And then, someone say then. Come on, then. Then you'll win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. How many of you want the favor of God? Come on, how many you want the favor of God? You get the favor of God by believing in Jesus, but He's able to appropriate it to your life as you walk out the commands of Jesus. Right, Calvary—you can't earn your right to get favor, but as you believe upon Christ and start to follow Him, how many know you get a lot discipline, a lot less discipline if you're a good boy? Right? How many? How many fathers in the house? Put up your hand. How many know that when your son behaves, he gets more blessings? doesn't mean you love him any less and I'd actually say that that is many times how God treats you and me I'm going to give you a couple more stats is that okay um uh, and and this is just me just saying you need to go to church more often you need to follow Jesus with all your heart with all your soul let me give you a couple stats again this wasn't a Christian research company this wasn't Anthony Fleming's research If you go to church regularly, you are 22% less likely to be clinically depressed, you're more likely to manage your life better, your time better, you're more likely to complete academic degrees, achieve other academic milestones, and you'll likely have increased mental well-being. Someone say peace. And as if these benefits aren't long enough, did you know out of the American population, the average church attender... Live 7 to 14 years longer than non-religious people. Now, can we show that verse again one more time? Proverbs chapter 3. Now, watch this now. Verse 1, go to the next one. Verse 2. Watch this. Can everyone say it with me, for length of days? Come on, say it with me. For length of days. And years of life and peace they will add to you. See, sometimes you read scripture, like, oh, that's so cute. Now this is an actual truth and a promise and a reality of God for you. Are you with me? Some say wisdom. Come on, say I need it. I need to get it. Man, we need wisdom, don't we? Mm. Last week, we talked about vainness. We talked about, though, the fact that all of us can lose it. And so I just want to touch base on those points just for a second. And it says this, um, they lose it when they confuse lust and love. How many know that's true? They lose it when they confuse lust and love. They lose it when they keep score. They lose it when they dig up the past. They lose it when they use their words to control their spouse and not build their spouse. But I want to talk to you about this subject today. They lose it when they are not deliberate. They lose it when they are not deliberate. But let me give you a positive spin on that. They get it back when they are deliberate. Come on, how many know that's true? Say that with me. They get it back when they are deliberate. Come on, say that loud and proud. They get it back when they are deliberate. Deliberate. Now, all the men, you're going to say that with me because we're the least deliberate people when it comes to marriage. We just need extra help. Did you know the Apostle Paul talked twice as much to men than he did to his women? Has your wife ever said are you listening? (laughs) You're like, yeah, I am, to the TV. All the men say with me, they lose it when they are not deliberate. Say, they get it back when they are deliberate. And I'm preaching to myself. Amen. Come on, can we pray? We haven't prayed yet. And I'm like halfway into my message. Jesus, we love you and we praise you. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, you would take these words and these moments in this time. And Lord, in the name of Jesus, infuse life, hope grace, encouragement to every person. I pray that nothing I say would come out of a spirit of condemnation, but it will always come out of a spirit of grace. I pray there would be hope in people. I pray there'd be life in people. I pray that there would be such healthy marriages and relationships in our church, God, that people would even look at our church and go, go, and they'd say, wow, they have it. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. come on, everyone said, um, think about dating for a moment. You had to ask someone out, didn't you? You intentionally asked someone out. You intentionally planned what dinner place you're going to go to, lunch place, coffee, uh, what are you going to wear. You thought about the outfit and so forth. You're like, man, do I need a haircut? You put some deodorant on, put some aftershave on. Ladies got it going on. They dressed up and so forth. You had a good date, second date. You're like, yeah, let's ask this girl out again. And you intentionally asked them out. You intentionally went on a third date. And then after a while, you made it public on Facebook. You're like, we're dating. We're dating. Okay, it's not public, it's not it's not actually a real relationship till it's on Facebook. You gotta know that. Okay? (laughs) Just in case you're not on Facebook, it's not actually real. Your life actually, if you're not on Facebook, isn't real. Then you got engaged, you asked Summer, listen, do you want to marry me, and so forth, and you intentionally did it, and when you said, do you want to marry me, the girl started going, okay, I'm going to plan the wedding, and she became Bridezilla, and she became this, this, this person like, oh, it's going to be this way, and this way, and this way, and this way, and it was intentional, right? And then you have a honeymoon after the marriage, and you intentionally said, let's go to a beautiful place and have a lot of sex. That's really what you said, in case you're confused on honey and moon, okay? And that's what you said, and then you come back and you get married and, and uh, you intentionally maybe buy a house or rent an apartment, you intentionally build your career, you intentionally maybe have some kids or by mistake have some kids, however it worked for you, all right? And life went along, and here's what you'll find, that the only thing you weren't then intentional about most of the time was your marriage. You let everything else be intentional, but for some reason, we often think that good marriages just happen. I must have married the wrong person. No, you married the right person. You might just have the wrong pattern. Are you with me? I have been to, now been married for 10 years, read numerous books on marriage, heard so many different conferences. For 10 years, I've been going to conferences talking about leadership and marriage and and different things. And here's what I absolutely know without a shadow of a doubt. And everyone says that good marriages don't just happen. Good marriages actually are intentional. Good relationships are intentional. Are you with me? Come on, are you with me? Someone say the problem is the pattern. I know I preached about that a couple of weeks ago, but I want to tell you, listen, if you... Driving down Busy Boulevard, you're working hard, you're trying to rock and roll in your career, you get up in the morning, you work hard all day, you come home, have dinner, do stuff with the kids, run them to six different places, um, go to bed, watch more TV than you want to watch, and then all of a sudden, get tired, go to bed, sleep, wake up the next day, do the same thing, boom, boom, busy, life is busy, life is busy, and all of a sudden, after two years, you're like, hold on, when was the last time we went on a date? When was the last time we had sex? When was the last time any of this happened? And all of a sudden, you're like, how come we're drifting apart? And then you have the lies of culture. You have some internal pressure, maybe internal temptation. You have some external pressure, external temptation. And all of a sudden, you have 50% divorce rate for first-time marriages, 60 to 65% for second time. Third-time marriages, actually even higher, around 70% of third marriages fail. Maybe it's not the marriage. Maybe it's the pattern. Are you with me? Come on, I want to encourage you this morning. Listen, it is the pattern. Someone say the pattern. Do do we have that picture, guys, that we can show? Go ahead. Okay, think about this when it comes to a marriage. Bad pattern, outside pressure, internal pressure. You digest lies, what happens? Divorce. And so you've got to understand, and I just want to give you three thoughts when it comes to cultivating the kind of marriage that you want. Miriam and I have worked on this. I've been talking, weirdly enough, I've been married 10 years, I've been talking to people about marriage for about nine, which makes no sense. But anyway, the Apostle Paul wasn't even married and gave marital advice, so it's okay. I want to give you three things that I think every healthy marriage that I see does, and does this regularly. This is the pattern. Someone say, this is the pattern. Make time for the date night. Make time for the date night. I hate when I hear a couple, I hear a couple recently say, yeah, well, we haven't been on a date in a year. And I'm like, a year? If you haven't been on a date in a year, you're in trouble. You're like, I don't have the money for it. Well, I don't know, Fios, on demand at $4.99, put some candles on, something like that, that's a cheap date. Maybe add another dollar, some popcorn going on, a little salt. Right? A little butter going on. You got a cheap date. You gotta keep dating. Cause how did you fall in love? You were dating. And the same thing you did to fall in love, you gotta keep doing to stay in love. Haven't you noticed that sometimes when a, when a marriage splits apart and there's a divorce going on, the guy and the woman start dressing better, drop weight, start doing their hair, dye everything. My gosh, lose 40 pounds. Why? Because they've got their prow going on. They're looking for another catch. Do the work in the marriage to keep it going on. Are you with me? But God looks at the heart. He's the only one. He is. Now, out of a Wall Street Journal article I read literally yesterday, they said uh, marriages that were 65 and older and happily married, they said, listen, if you want some zing still in your marriage, you don't have to be Ken and Barbie, but take care of yourself. Come on, someone say, take care of yourself. (laughs) Turn to your neighbor and say, take care of yourself. Or just turn, turn to that same person and say, you do take care of yourself. Thank you. Tell them you love them because that could have got awkward. Make t- time for the date night. You can live in a work-centered home. You can live in a kid-centered home. Or you can live in a married-centered home. And, and couples sometimes are like, oh, we've got new babies. We can't ever go anywhere. Why? The baby's going to cry. Listen, Bobby, little Bobby's going to cry a lot more if you get a divorce. Right? You've actually got to put the, marriage, put the marriage at the center of the family, and as you put the marriage at the center of the family, good things happen, right? I, and, and listen, kids leave. Like, my kids are six and three and a half. I think about my kids leaving, I cry. I'm a mush when it comes to that. I don't want them to leave, but maybe that's why they're so bad in the teen years. You're like, get out. You know? You know? But one day, it's going to be me and Miriam again. And then, have we invested anything in our marriage? Have we done anything for our marriage? Or have we looked at each other who's gone, I haven't seen you in like 20 years. I'm like, aren't you still pregnant? <laughs> they lose it. When they're not deliberate, they get it back again when they are deliberate. You've got to keep dating. Know that now. It shouldn't be, don't let it go like a month. Every once in a while, Miriam and I, we believe in date night. We've been consistent on date night. But every once in a while, we're like, wow, it's been like three or four weeks since we've been on a date And that's long for us, right? But date night leads to great night. The purpose of date night is dessert. That's the purpose. Other than steak, that's the purpose. Dating means creativity, dating means conversation. And listen, I'll get into that later. The second thought I've got to give you is this make time for sex like, what? Here's the deal. We watch TV. We watch movies. I'm not anti-TV. I'm not anti-movies. I'm just saying you should be selective on, on the stuff that you watch. But what happens is when you watch a movie and you watch TV and you, it's a romance thing, and, and, they're, and they're starting to kiss, and there's this beautiful music in the background, and they get this great story, and are like, oh my gosh, they love each other, look at them, they love each other. Every girl has done this. They're like, oh, Jack, 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 and they run around, Rose, Rose, and you're crying, oh, they loved each other. <laughs> and you like looked at your partner, and you're like, you don't love me like that. You realize it was a movie, and they took two years to create the moment that you expect on a weekly basis. Am <laughs> I preaching to anyone in the house? I'm letting a whole bunch of men off the hook. Okay, you ain't doing so bad, honey. It's a movie. Stop looking at Mark Wahlberg's biceps or whatever his name is. Wahl Wahlberg. There you go. I couldn't even say that Wahlberg. I'm like, baby, I got some biceps right here. Right. How <sighs> I many have some fun in church? Did you know healthy sex lives in marriage? I'm gonna give you some stats in marriage. I'm gonna give you some stats outside of marriage. Because you probably know what the scripture says. However, do you sometimes believe it? Healthy sex lives, research shows frequent sex decreases depression. Insomnia, memory problems, better dental health. I mean, that's just weird. I don't know. I'm just giving you the info on what it actually gives. Maybe they brush their teeth a lot. They don't want some bad breath and just they're kissing. Um, daily sex. Check this out. Daily sex. and We should all get there. Daily sex shows more health than a five-mile run. Wow. Now, single people, you just got to keep running. <laughs> Sex reduces risk of heart disease, lessens colds and flus. You don't need no emergency, anyway, and increases life expectancy for men. Some would say hallelujah. Proverbs chapter five is an amazing passage of scripture where really Solomon is warning us from sexual immorality. But then he says something that I think the church is known for saying no, but it's often not known for saying yes. And and what you've got to do, Proverbs five nineteen actually says, "May you ever be toxic, intoxicated by her love." It means you've got to make time for this thing, because we live in a busy culture. We live in a busy environment. And I've noticed this, if, we are, if you don't have a plan to do it, you don't do it as much as you want to do it. I'm keeping it real in church anyway. They agree. Proverbs chapter 3 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Say, all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him, and He will make your path straight. Now watch this, verse 7, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Single people, don't be wise in your own eyes. We live in a culture that is so wise in their own eyes that when you talk about sexual immorality, when you talk about before marriage, after marriage, do it in the context of marriage, they just laugh at it, laughing. But here's this, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Let me give you the research, not the Bible facts, the research on sex outside of marriage. Now listen, we live in 2014. I'm preaching in, you know, America. I mean, I understand that if you were not following Christ pre-marriage, you would have been having sex. That is, I put no expectation on anyone who's not a Christ follower. I do not put any expectation on people that weren't following Christ pre-marriage. Why? Because that's just the normal. You with me? I'm not up in some ivory tower going, oh, no one's having sex. No, lots of people are having sex. They're just probably not doing it God's way. And single people, if you, you've gotta, if you want to deal with the area and you want to follow after Christ, you're going to have to follow the Lord in this regard. But married people, same deal. Lots of married people running around, obviously. You've got to keep it from getting into a fair. But let me show you what research shows. It has the exact opposite. I'm talking pre-outside of marriage. Did you know that sex outside of marriage has the exact opposite effect? Uh, divorce, higher. Depression, higher. Abuse, People caught in abuse. Emotionally abusive relationships normally come out of people getting shacked up together too early and your emotions are so bought into the person spiritually, physically, in all kinds of different ways. You're so bought in and then all of a sudden you can't get out. Why? Because you're joined in one. Are you with me? Sexual dissatisfaction, increased future odds of affair. Hear this. Did you know that when when a man has sex before marriage, he is four times more likely to have an affair outside of marriage. Did you know that when a woman has sex pre-marriage, she is eight times more likely to have an adulterous affair? I'm just trying to give you some stats. I'm not trying to discourage anyone. Are you with me? Someone say, seek wisdom. I want to give you a fact that may blow your mind. Did you know that those people who wait for sex rate their sex life 22% higher than those who had sex prior to marriage? Isn't that interesting? Maybe it really works to put God at the center of your life. And listen, I believe I'm probably preaching to most people who did not wait, because I, m- my wife and I waited, but it was a struggle. Like, man, you got to create boundaries. You've got to, uh, you got to pray. You got to be accountable with people. Single people, you got to get accountable. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 13. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding. For she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life To those who take hold of her and those who hold fast. Someone say hold fast. Those who hold fast will be blessed. I think I'm over time. I want to give you one last thought and then I'm going to close out the message. Keep the date night. Two, make time. Make plans even for sex. And number three, make time for difficult conversations. What do you mean? Um. one of the greatest things that i've seen that helps people in their life spiritually speaking is having a hard conversation with them when i'm close with someone and i see something and they, you know i don't just randomly walk up to people and just say hey you need to change this no, but when I'm close to someone and tight with someone, it's just like, hey, man, I think there's an area where God wants to grow you. And did you know that some of the areas where I feel like I've grown the most as a leader and a preacher and a pastor is actually some conversations that came out of me and my wife having some tougher conversations. She was just like, honey, I think there's more in you. And I remember she said that to me and I didn't want to hear her. i just "Oh like, there's more in you. <laughs> but I started thinking about that and praying about that I wasn't sure I just like okay Lord whatever that means whatever she's wrong and what I realized is, is actually there was more and sometimes a hard conversation is the best place but here's what I realized in marriage marriages have hard conversations at the wrong time what do I mean listen to what Proverbs says Proverbs 25 verse 11 a word fitly spoken a word fitly spoken, at the right time, at the right fit, in due season. Someone say due season. That means really at the right time, the right place, the right thinking. Here's what I've noticed about, um, and this has helped my marriage immensely, really. I try not to have tough conversations when I'm emotional about it. When I'm just frustrated about it right now. But there may be a time where my wife and I would talk and we just like, Hey honey, I just want to let you know this. And I, I bring it up when I'm non-emotional about it. And she brings it up when she's not as emotional. And date night sounds really sexy sometimes, but sometimes some of the, the, the best conversations or the most life-changing conversations in our marriage have actually come at a date night that wasn't a great night. Just sat there and had a conversation like, hey, I'm frustrated about this. Hey, what's up with that? Hey, what's up with that? And that was date night. It was meant to be like hugs and kisses, and it wasn't. It's was like sitting across from the table like, well, I'm frustrated about this. But did you know that those conversations have actually brought massive fruit in our lives? Embrace difficult conversations. Did you know, listen, if you plan for sex, it'll actually bring up some difficult conversations. Why? Just like, hey, let's get together, you know, Friday night or whatever. And then all of a sudden the person's like, well, I'm kind of mad at you about something. And they need to have that conversation. Like, you love me. I don't feel like you show me much affection. I don't feel like this. I don't feel like that. And guess what? You're like, man, I didn't realize you felt that way. I'm gonna be more affectionate from now. I'm gonna be nicer from now. I'm gonna do this now. Are you with me? Am I talking real? Right? And so that's why it's so important. Difficult conversations sometimes at the right time leads to amazing fruit. Some of you may be like, hey, we need some more sex. But she might be saying, Well, don't treat me like crap. to help someone Come on let's close our eyes back Jesus we thank you that you are God you created all you are magnificent you made sex but Lord we live in a fallen world we live in a broken place God but we bring our lives to you that many times have so many cracks and so many things that need work God and we just bring ourselves to you right now and Lord, would you just, by your Spirit, even now, just shine your light, encourage someone, give hope to someone, bring healing to someone. Lord, where it's all about lust, I just pray that throw off lust and put on love. I pray that every man in here would bind love and faithfulness to his heart. I pray that every person in here would know your touch. God, let us focus on you in this moment right now. If you're here today, feel like the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you, maybe convicting you, maybe there's something you need to change, maybe there's something that you need to do when you get out of here, just right now, take that time and take that moment and say, Lord, I make that commitment to do that thing that you're putting on my heart, I bring that sin before you. Day and you've never accepted Christ all across this place. Be the great honor of my life to introduce you to the person of Jesus Christ. Be the great honor of my life just to, maybe you wandered away and ran away and you feel far away from God. It'd be the great honor of my life just to, li- listen, All of us have fallen short of the standard of God. That's why Jesus came. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. I was lost. I needed finding. Every single person on planet Earth is actually lost and needs finding. But the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us and makes us whiter than snow. You might be in all kinds of funk and all kinds of lifestyles that are not godly lifestyles. You need to bring that to the Lord. He already knows about it. He's not going to put guilt on you. He's actually going to help you. He's not going to put guilt on you. He's actually going to put His grace on you. He's not going to put guilt and condemnation. That's the job of the devil. He's actually going to put mercy on you and grace on you. And in a moment, we're going to pray just a quick prayer. Man, if you feel far away from God, you can say, Anthony, I need that. I need to pray. Or maybe today you've never accepted the person of Christ to be your Lord, be your Savior, be your very best friend. And today, man, you don't have to do anything to do it. What you have to do is believe. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, confess with your mouth, you will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from sin, saved from death, saved from a pointless life. Man, God is not mad at you. He's mad about you. He died on a cross for you and for me. Man, the Father wants to run to you. What do you need to do? You need to make one step towards Him and He'll start running. All across this place. I'm going to invite people. Maybe you feel far away from God right now. You can come on back. Maybe you've never accepted Christ. I just want you to raise your hand, raise it up real high, and just say, Anthony, that's me in here. I need to do that. I need to respond to Christ. Come on, on the count of three, if there's anyone here you've never accepted Christ, or two, you feel far away from God, and you need to run back to the Father. I'm going to tell you one more time, He wants to run towards you. On the count of three, raise your hand, raise it up real high, just so I can see it and pray with you. Come on, one, God loves you. He's got a plan for your life. Two, today is the day of salvation free all across this place. Come on. Raise your hand up real high and just say, Anthony, that's me. I want you to pray for me. All across this place. Come on. Real high. Just say, Anthony, that's me. I want to pray with you and for you. Man, you feel disconnected from God. There's a wrestle in your heart right now. Thank you, sir. It's awesome. Anyone else? Just real quick. Man, you feel far away from God. Come on. Take this moment right now. God's mercy is drawing people. Respond by faith. Right here, right now. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Come on, let's pray as a church family. Father, thank you for loving me when I didn't love you. Thank you for chasing me when I didn't chase you. Right now, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. The Faithfield Church said, come on, the Faithfield Church said, Hey guys, thanks so much for watching. I pray that this message has impacted your life in a powerful, powerful way. If you feel like it has, email us at connect at churchalive.tv or if you accepted Christ today for the very first time or you feel like you're running back to the Lord today, email us again and let us know. I know that's going to be encouragement to me. It's going to be encouragement to other people who serve as part of our church. God bless you. See you next time.